G'day everybody, here we are once again. It's Warren Smith and Matty Russell to take you through what was round eight of the NRL Telstra Premiership. On You Can Take Me Now, I have seen it all. Before we start talking footy, Matty, I want to take you back to last night though. So in the Smith household, this is usually how it works. You do, I do, you know, on occasions, most weeks, three games of footy per weekend. And by Sunday night, you get home. Luckily, the game last night wasn't too far from where we live in the inner west, so not a long trip to get home. Pick up some Indian takeaway on the way through. And the Formula One coverage on Fox Sports via um, Sky Sports in the UK is an outstanding sporting coverage. So over the past two or three seasons, in our household... We've become real devotees of watching the Formula One coverage and cheering on Daniel Ricciardo. And there we are last night watching the Azerbaijan Grand Prix (laughs) from Baku, this exotic location east of Europe, just above Iran and below Russia. And What a place it looks like. Fantastic part of the world. Love to go there at some stage and have a look. But Daniel Ricciardo is having a great battle with his mate Max Verstappen, their teammates in the Red Bull Racing team. And they touch wheels a couple of times. And Ricardo's a famous late breaker. And Max Verstappen is young and impetuous and can be a hell of a driver. And I have no doubt at some stage he'll probably reel off four world championships on the trot. But he's trying to block Ricardo. He did so illegally in my mind. And Ricardo goes right up his clacker. <laughs> They're both out of the race. And I'm screaming. I immediately pick up the phone because I'm outraged, and when you're outraged, what do you do? You go to Twitter, and I fire off this steamy missive on Twitter about Max Verstappen and how he should be out of the game, and how Daniel Ricciardo should immediately get a mid-season transfer to Ferrari, because I think he's going to Ferrari anyway. Um, That tweet got as much feedback as anything I tweet on the football. It was amazing. What can the NRL learn from Formula One? Danny and Sunday have crashed. They've got into each other. Danny Ricciardo late breaking. Couldn't stop in time. Max Verstappen was right in front of him. Well, what would you have called? While that incident happened. What were you calling from the lounge chair? Oh, I was calling Max Verstappen a bunch of names, <laughs> let me tell you. He's done it a lot of times. I mean, he's, he's, he, he's as likely to crash as he is to finish at the moment. And as I said, he's only a kid still. He's his third season in Formula 1. He might have only just turned 20, I think. And his dad, his famous dad, Jos Verstappen, who was a Formula 1 driver, Dutch Formula 1 driver, um, not that long ago. He's still pretty young himself, uh, Jos. Um, so... Yeah, he's going to be a hell of a driver, but he, you know when he takes out the Aussie, who's just won the previous Grand Prix in China, and looks like he might be, you know, against the odds because the Mercedes and the Ferraris are the gun cars, the Red Bulls a little bit off the pace there, like number three in the rankings as far as power and the whole package is concerned. Oh, I couldn't believe it. That's how I. This is how I. This is how I de-stress from the footy. <laughs> I get stressed about watching the F ones and Daniel Ricciardo. So this, that's how I spend my Sunday nights. Usually, there isn't a race every week because there's sometimes a week off in the schedule. But that's how I spend my downtime on Sunday nights. Either watching that or the European golf or the ladies golf, you know, on replay. I think they cruelly call him Max Verstappen. Yeah, you should be. Yeah, yeah, but back to my earlier question, you're a keen observer of other sports. We are involved with broadcasting the great sport of rugby league. What could the NRL learn from, say, Formula One? Well, you know, and part of the reason we became such devotees of watching the Formula One coverage on Fox Sports 
is that the guys at Sky from the UK do such a slick job with the coverage and they, they're able to do such a good job because they get such great access to the drivers. They'll speak to them in the lead up to the race in the days, of course, over qualifying and practice and they'll do feature stories on them as well. Um, there was one last night about Daniel Ricciardo and his great passes to get past um, Hamilton and um, Vettel and others in his way to winning the Chinese Grand Prix. Um, the, the team principals as well are very accessible. So it's like getting, getting the coach or the... And we quite often now get our coverage, get the coach before a game. But, you know, get the, the team CEO. Like, it would have been great, say, Manly versus the Knights on Saturday night, having Lyle Gorman with you know, the Battle of Hastings still raging over there on the northern beaches. It would have been great to have Lyle Gorman as part of our team coverage, as, as part of our broadcast coverage. It's not the done thing, and I don't know how many CEOs would put their hand up for it, but... That's the sort of access they get with Formula One. And, you know, the cameras are everywhere. They've taken the courage of that particular sport to a, a whole nother level in the, in the last decade or so. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot to be learned from, from the NRL's point of view. It's harder to get... I mean, over the weekend, there was a bit of a, you know, a firestorm brewing. The fact that here is Payne Haas, just makes his debut for the Broncos. They win against the, uh, the Rabbitohs in that game at ANZ Stadium on Friday night. And then... We can't speak to Payne Haas, or on Thursday night it was. Um, we can't speak to Payne Haas because he's, he's only 18, supposedly, and maybe he's not ready to be interviewed, and he's a shy kid. We've got to be past that. James it, Roberts, another one? James Roberts. There's a, just a permanent media ban, on mm. jo- I was, which I wasn't aware of. I knew it, he was reluctant at times to talk. If you're playing in the NRL, you've got to be available to be interviewed. That's part of the package. And it, following it, your, your, your motorsport theme, I often get asked, uh, who are your favourite athletes to interview? It's a very hard question to answer, but I do say that I'm amazed that when I've interviewed supercar drivers, often at Bathurst in a, in a past life, they were about to throw themselves around Mount Panorama at speeds up to 300 k's an hour, yet half an hour before the green light, they're happy to do an interview. And I'm thinking to myself... Not only do they do the interview, they do it supremely and show their sports in a great way. Yet other codes put players off limits for 24 hours in a far less dangerous environment. It doesn't quite measure up. Yeah, I know. Um, speaking of uh, going pretty quickly, not quite 300 kilometres per hour, but Josh Adokar can light up a rugby league field like few others are able to do at the moment and maybe few others in the past. His try going all the way back to last Wednesday night on Anzac Day evening down there at Amy Park. The Melbourne Storm put on 50 against the Warriors and Josh Adokar, with nothing doing, jumps out from dummy half and as a commentator, you just sort of, you know, you can't get caught up telling a story when Adokar goes to dummy half because he has the potential at any point in the game to do exactly what he did, jump out, just get beat a, almost, there's a half a tackle and he just manages to get away from it and you know with his speed that everybody else in the line is now in trouble and so he gets through the line, runs towards Roger Tuovasashek, no mm. less. Mm. I mean, Roger can really hoof it himself. Yeah. But he just, he has seven or eight gears at Okar because he cruises up towards two of us, Ashek, and you can see the wheels in his mind clicking as he's coming up towards him saying, which way will I beat him? And in the end, he just goes, I'll beat him with pure, unadulterated speed on the outside. And Roger, Rocket Roger, as I call yeah. him, never got a sniff. It was amazing. And the Fox League camera work was supreme. That ground level shot of 
Josh Adokar running towards the camera. You could watch it again and again. What an athlete. And McGuinness, a short time ago, says he has to be in the New South Wales lineup. What an addition he would be on a wing for Brad Fitlap. Hard to argue, isn't it? A highlight of the round through your eyes was... For mine, it was Dean Farre at Penrith and <laughs> the shot on Jeremy Marshall King. And I'm following the ball, calling with Danny Badiris, who maybe has a broader view of the moment. And just as Dean Farre started his run from the blind side to Marshall King, who didn't see him coming, I saw Danny flinch. And then a split second later, following the ball, I called the contact and I realised why Danny had flinched. That was That will be the tackle of the year, the shot of the year. And it reminded me of a few Steve Matai tackles. I tried to spark a bit of a discussion on social media about what tackle was heavier or better. And uh, Matai on Dave Tyrrell was pretty good. But Dean Farre on Jeremy Marshall King, the little asterisk there is Jeremy Marshall King to get straight back to his feet oh. and look like nothing had happened. I give him a lot of credit, but wow, Dean Farre, that was a tackle. And it was a legal tackle. I said in the call, brutal but legal. The arm was out, and uh, you know that's the great part about rugby league. We can still have contact like that. And there's been a bunch of experts or critics and, and fans off the back of the shoulder charge being outlawed to say, oh, well, you may as well put them in skirts. What are we turning the game into? If they get it wrong, then you penalise them. Well, we've taken the shoulder charge out of the game, which has been an outstanding thing, as mm. it turns out. We see far less head injuries as a result. And it shows you we still see massive impacts, don't we? Because you can't hit anybody any squarer than what Dean Farre did on Jeremy Marshall King. And they both got up. Nobody was hurt. It was good, hard rugby league, just as you wanted. And we saw it again yesterday. Kayser Pritchard, time and time again. He wasn't the only one. Some of the body contact there at Sydney Olympic Park in the game to complete the round. I just thought it was fantastic. I was sideline. I could hear it. I could see it. And that's part of the reason I was so excited. Sideline, you could see these men just ripping into each other with great physicality. I loved the round in that regard. That's one of the reasons why I really, I mean, I encourage fans to go to the ground and, and be there as part of the atmosphere for a whole range of reasons. But at the smaller suburban venues in particular, I guess maybe not so much at ANZ because you're a little bit further back. It's a bigger stadium and the noise rolls around there a little bit. But if you, I guess if you're in the first whatever rows at Leichhardt or Brookvale, um, you know, Campbelltown or Shark Park, wherever it may be, you can hear the impacts. And the, imp, the, you know, the sound of big men hitting each other, maybe 110 kilograms versus 115, and the wind getting sucked out of somebody. Oh, my goodness. It is mind-boggling how they get up. Nice pass. Marshall King has been ironed out by Dean Farrelly. Marshall King, to his credit, fights to get back to his feet. But that was almighty. The Blue Mountains are shaking. <laughs> That's a great call. You know, when something like that happens, invariably you'll hear a commentator go, you, and you didn't say it, which is remarkable, but someone usually says, oh my goodness. And the re that's commentator code. People say to me, one of the most often asked questions I get is, how do you not swear when you're calling a game? Because you get excited, you get caught up in the game. And I say to them, well, you, look, I'm wearing headphones, I'm in a glass box, there's all this equipment around me, there's cameramen just out beside me, there's no point that I ever forget where I am, I'm going to you know, yell out an obscenity. 
But if you are going to yell out an obscenity, it's in one of those moments like that tackle, Farre on Marshall King, and invariably we all go, oh my goodness, because you can't say, F me, <laughs> yeah. what about that tackle? And, and in moments like those, you've had countless of them was, sometimes you don't recall what you've said. It really is like a reaction. You just call what you see from the heart, from your emotions, from your love of the game. And I wasn't fully aware what I'd said in that call. Driving home, I knew I'd mentioned the Blue Mountains. And I thought to myself, it would have been better if I hadn't said this to commentate along the lines. It's a tackle that would have flattened the Blue Mountains. But Mm. are you the same? You, in those instances, don't quite know what you've said until you watch the game back and and see the moment. And you just hope that it is befitting of the moment. Yeah, quite often. Uh, One of the ones I remember is that famous charge on Good Friday, um, Sam Burgess bringing it back from a goal line dropout and running directly at our now colleague, Mick Ennis, Mick Ennis who, a bit like Jerry Marshall King, full credit to Mick because I don't know how he stood his ground in the first place and then whacked Sam with everything he had in what was a massive collision and then was able to play on in the game uninjured. Um, that was one of those ones where I think I did blurt out an, oh my <laughs> goodness, um, which, as I said, is subconscious um, code, commentator code for yeah, uh, something you can't say on TV. I had an oh my goodness in North Queensland last year where Kyle Felt went over the top of Josh Mansour, and uh, yeah, I just saw it, and uh, I probably would have liked to say something a bit more specific than oh my goodness, but again, it just came out. Yeah, that's right. It just came, and luckily that came out, not what I was actually thinking about yeah, Kyle yeah. Felt, the but, magnificent flyer that he is. Because I guarantee you, everybody else in the stadium is saying what you probably would <laughs> yeah. say if you weren't on TV. Yeah. A couple of big, uh, couple of big collisions over the weekend. It was terrific stuff. Um, just finally on other highlights from the weekend, I did the, uh, the Brookvale game, the, um, Seagulls against the Newcastle Knights. And at half time, in talking about, you know, how you think the second half might pan out, Braith and Aster said to me, what do you reckon? And I said, I don't know. I just think at some point, Kalen Ponger is the difference in this game because he, you know, he, he helped play that role last week with Mitchell, or the week before with Mitchell Pearce when they beat the Tigers up there at Tamworth. And Kalen Ponger um, put on the, as a, uh, this is, again, just came out of nowhere. I called it the Ponger Pogo step yeah. um, because he sort of just has a little, that little hop and a skip and he sort of goes sideways at the same time and it's a bit of an old-fashioned goose step with a, a modern twist, I guess. And um, to see him put on a try, just the class the kid has, uh, he's going to be a star for a long time. He, he, he's the sort of kid who should be dragging an extra five or 6,000 fans through the gate every time he plays. He was the one who set up the try for Nathan Ross at the end. And the reason I love the Ponga pogo stick is because it's a twist on the cliche, the, the goose step. But you shut your eyes and you picture the Ponga pogo, and I can see him bouncing on his legs, out to the left, leaving the defender stone cold and delivering the try. It is the perfect description for <laughs> Kalen Ponga, the Ponga Pogo. It has stuck, I'm sure. Oh, we'll we'll see. hear that for the next 15 years. We'll see how it turns out. All right, now I thought, um, here we are, round eight. We're one-third the way through the minor premiership. It might be time for a uh, end-of-term report card. And I've broken, you know, from my way of thinking, I've broken the teams up into different categories. I was going to give them an A and a B and a a C or maybe an F, depending (laughs) on who it might have been so far. But instead of doing that, I thought we'd break them up into different categories. So the first one I've got is the category of, from the fans' point of view, keep the last weekend 
of September free. And I've only got two teams in this category of keeping the so last you've got the grand final decided already then? Well, at this stage, if you are stopping the fight now, and this, this will rub some people the wrong way because the team I've got playing the Dragons at this point in time in the grand final is currently not second on the ladder. They're fourth. But for mine, if I'm a fan of the Dragons or the Storm, I'm keeping the last weekend right now of September free. You're going back to 1999. I am. was Dragons, Melbourne, and you couldn't argue after the Dragons beat the Roosters on Anzac Day, followed by the Storm putting 50 on the Warriors. Look, they are the two supreme teams at this moment. I know that Penrith and Warriors fans might be jumping up and down, but in terms of recent games, they stand alone. And the, the succulent part of that is that on Fox League this Sunday at Cogra, St. George Illawarra against the Melbourne Storm in a Warren Smith grand final preview. Yeah, but that will be some sort of game for a two o'clock game, which um, isn't ordinarily the marquee matchup on a Sunday afternoon. But the Dragons and the Storm at Cogra will be now that will be a full house. And we're sometimes critical of, you know, some teams not drawing the amount of fans to, you know, suburban venues as there should be. And they've had some good crowds already this year, the Dragons at Cogra and down at Wollongong as well. Terrific crowd down there not that long ago. But we should see whatever capacity is we should find out at Cogra because I you know, come Sunday morning if there's any tickets left, I'll be stunned. It's it's a blockbuster. Yep. Yep, get there, Dragons fans. It, it's a beauty. Was the only thing I'd add to the St. George Illawarra Melbourne discussion is Penrith. Having called Penrith a couple of times, I'm in love with their forward pack. Youthful, physical, exuberant, and you've got the experience of Pete Wallace and James Tamo. I really like uh, Anthony Griffin's forward pack, and they're going to get players back. They're doing this at the moment with uh, an injury hit back line especially. So I think they can steady through the mid part of the year and be a real force. They, they might be challenging your two teams come the back end of the season. Yeah, I guess if I was doing A's, B's and C's as far as grades were concerned, I'd probably give the Panthers you know, an A- minus at this point in time. I think they're better than a B plus for given what they've done. I've got them lumped into, and there's quite a few teams, and I wasn't intending to be this way, but when I was going through it, I thought, well, I, I, my next category is called Do You Think We're a Contender? And that's the question fans would ask you. Do you think we're a contender? And in this category, I've got the Panthers. I've got the Warriors. Before the weekend, before Anzac Day, I think I would have had the Warriors in the... I definitely had them in the keep the last weekend of September free category because I thought that game against the Storm was going to be a belter and it might be a field goal or a two-point game, four-point game maybe at the most. I was genuinely shocked to see what the Melbourne Storm did to them. It might have been the occasion of, of Anzac Day. We mentioned that on the show last week that I've seen you know, the Warriors only a couple of seasons ago go there and be overawed by the occasion, I thought. And I thought maybe that was the case again. I mean, 38-0 at half time was, was ridiculous, really. And their defence, they just weren't competing. They were the Warriors of old in that first half. So as a result, I've got them in the category of do you think we're a contender along with the Panthers? The Tigers, the Broncos, Newcastle, the Sharks, and the Rabbitohs. Seven teams in total who have the potential to be in a grand final for mine at this stage, but probably just have to show me something more. It's quite a group, isn't it? Yeah, I've got Penrith in that top category, so I'll take them out of the group you've just mentioned. And the Warriors, they didn't have Sean Johnson, Carter, Leva Harpulu, so a few excuses. But, but 
still no excuse for giving up 50. And I'm sure there's a stat that says you don't give up 50 points during the regular season and win the Premiership. I think the closest is 49. So if you are statistically driven, you'd be putting a line through the Warriors mm. after they leaked 50. But it was against Melbourne, in Melbourne, on a big day where they had some excuses. And, and those other teams you mentioned, you're right. I don't know what way to go with some of them. Brisbane's a classic case in point. I've seen them some nights and thought, there's no way, absolutely no way they are going to be a force this year. And then they come out another week, maybe like they did against South Sydney, and find a way to win, unearthing a young new talent, showing that their coach still can conjure these results maybe against what the form line says they should. So maybe Brisbane would be the best of that pack in my mind. I've upgraded them in the last couple of weeks, as it turns out. I've improved them from, is there a chance we actually suck? That was where they were stationed for a couple of weeks there. I've bumped them up. I've given them an upgrade from, is there a chance we actually suck, to do you think we're a contender? (laughs) I've got, you know, they've impressed me... um, the players they've had missing, Andrew McCulloch, Matt Gillett, uh, now Josh Maguire has picked up an ankle injury, might be out for a, a week or two, although he's super tough. Um, he's, he's likely to play uh, this weekend, so um, you just don't know. But they're certainly not at full strength and won't be for some time with those two major injuries to McCulloch and also Gillett. But Tavita Pengai Jr. threatens to carry them on his back, mm. the forward pack, a long, long way, and then you throw in an 18-year-old kid who looks like a superstar in the making in Payne Haas. Now, he's played one game, but he's been outstanding all the way through. Um, and he's a New South Wales blue, as we found out conclusively over the weekend. So um, well, You called that game. Uh, yep. I was sidelined, and people have asked me about Payne Haas. What, what's your assessment? I'll give you mine first. D- didn't get a, an enormous amount of time, but for a debut, was better than rock solid. Oh, so I, I, I didn't call Broncos. Right oh, okay. Better, better than rock solid. Um, that's right, it was Speedy was yep. there that, that night. And, uh, yeah, Payne Haas, good carries. His first defensive set, I think he was involved in three of the six tackles. Running metres of around 90 and limited. Like, all the signs are there yeah. for Payne. Well, if, if you can hold your own defensively as a teenager at this level of the game, as a big teenager as well, because you might, you know, I don't know what he weighs. He's got to be 120. He's got to be, yeah. he's got to be 120. He's kilograms. listed as 194 centimetres and 116 kgs. Yeah, well, you, you, that'd be close. Yeah. Be, he's 120-ish yeah. anyway, either a little bit under or a little bit over, but they can get found out quite obviously in defence. Well, I didn't see any weaknesses there. Mm. And that's that's that shows to me at least, given what we've seen over the years, that, boy, if you can do that, you can hold your place in the team. And with him and Pangai suddenly there's a bit of a look at the, you know, they can almost be the old Broncos who used to smash teams up the, against the back fence with their forward pack. There's still maybe a couple of players short of doing that, but you can go a long way on what the forwards do for you, and they've got a couple of big boppers there who really uh, can carry the football. And the final endorsement for Payne Haas comes from a superb source, Danny Badiris, coached him in the New South Wales under-18s and said to me after he did so, Matty, you wait till you see... Payne Haas before when we were doing an origin preview. He, this was off, off, off air before we went to air. He, Payne Haas, magnificent. Payne Haas this, Payne Haas that. But he'd made Payne Haas his captain. Now, Danny Baderas doesn't make Payne Haas captain of his team unless he sees some yeah. really good qualities. And you know, there's the final word on Payne Haas. So I've got the Panthers, Warriors, Tigers and Broncos in the do you think we're a contender category. I've also got the Knights, the Sharks 
and the Rabbitohs. And uh, I know there's no Mitchell Pearce for at least 10 weeks, you'd imagine, at an absolute minimum, given this pec muscle um, operation he had to have. His arm's in a sling at the moment. But that, and again, I know they only played Manly, who are really battling with all manner of issues also at this point of the season. But there's a bit of a look about them, and while ever they've got Kalen Ponga on the field wearing the number one jersey, they can certainly be a top eight team. They're five and three after the first eight weeks of the competition. So they're definitely a top eight team, uh, given what they've shown so far. And they may well develop into a contender. I, I've got to put them in this category. Last week, I had them not making the eight after Mitchell Pearce did his peck. Mm. Um, I'm starting to second-guess that a little bit. Maybe they can sneak into the eight. I don't know whether this year is the year they can be a contender. I'd be happy for them to see them crack the eight as being achieving uh, what they set out to do this year. Have you mentioned the Sydney Roosters yet, Was I haven't as yet. I'm getting to uh, them. What, uh, what category are we up to now, Stand then? by, stand by. Keep your powder dry. <laughs> we'll upset some Roosters fans in a moment. I've got the Sharks also. Now, the Sharks are outside the top eight. They're four and four. On four and against, they're in ninth position, just ahead of the Broncos. So I've got two teams currently outside the top eight in the do you think we're a contender category. But I've got the Sharks, and the Sharks are minus 23. They made the finals in 2015. They finished in sixth position with a minus seven for mm. and against. Now, that's hard to do. It usually means you give up a couple of big scores along the way, and you win a bunch of close, tight games. They've got injury worries themselves, but they've come through the last couple of weeks against the Panthers and then against the Titans. Two games they could have easily lost, but they've won them both. And I just think there's a professional edge to them. And if they have a good run in the second half of the season with injuries, they've got enough talent there with Matt Moylan, Josh Dugan. Um, he might have picked up a, little, a minor injury at the moment. But there's enough firepower there for them to be a team that can, again, like last year, I guess, get themselves into the top eight, and then it's who knows after that. Yeah. So I've still got them in the do you think we're a contender category. A grinding, dour team that has failed to excite me to this point of the season, partly because of their injuries, partly because of the style of football they're playing. But you're right, if they get injured players back, they have the experience there that in the back end of the season, if they crack the eight, the new competition starts and off they could go. But at this point, I'm not that excited about the Cronulla Sharks. Well, they just, you know, they, like uh, Brad Gilbert, the famous American tennis player who became a coach and he wrote a book called Winning Ugly. And the Sharks have written the Rugby League book yeah. on Winning Ugly. And I don't have to go back that many seasons to when Melbourne Storm's attack wasn't all that flash. And they won pretty ugly at times themselves off the back of their defence. And their defence carried them deep into premierships for a number of years there, you know, through the late noughties, you know, sort of 07, 08, that period into, you know, the 2010s, um, the teens, whatever you want to call it, you can you can win the way the Sharks win. They've proven that. They won a premiership pretty much that way, didn't they? I mean, there was nothing really sparkling about their attack in 2016. They won it off the back of what they did defensively. And to their defence, their problems, or part of their problems so far, has been the constant reworking of the back line. And Shane Flanagan says, no, that's stopped. I've found my spine. I've worked out the way we're going to attack the rest of the season. So that should bring more stability and, uh, in theory, better form, although we didn't necessarily see it on a soggy Gold Coast evening. No, that's exactly right. Uh, my final team in this category, do you think we're a contender, is the Rabbitohs. Four and four 
after the first third of the season. They're plus 40. They're currently in seventh position, just above the Roosters, who are on the same win-loss record. Sam Burgess, if he plays against the Rabbitohs last Thursday night, I've got no doubt the Rabbitohs win. He makes that sort of difference. They've got a pretty good team, I think, even without him. I thought the Broncos, you know, they have these periods, the Broncos in games, you think, oh, geez, they're off the pace. And then they can go for 25, 30 minutes, and you go, geez, what a good team the Broncos are. Um, But the Rabbitohs, with Sam Burgess in their team, and again, if everybody's fit, I think they're they're somewhere between a third to, you know, sixth or seventh on the ladder team. I reckon they're one of the best in that bunch that you've mentioned. Having called them recently on the Central Coast, Sam Burgess, don't need to talk any more about him, best forward in the league. Importantly, his twin brothers have recaptured some of their premiership winning form. John Sutton, despite his age and 15 seasons, playing outstanding football. Greg Inglis, looks like he's over the dramas of the last 12 months. Then you go to Alex Johnston in the fullback role. They're scoring on both sides of the field, but especially on the left. Anthony Seabold, I really, I've really liked hearing him, looking at his, his approach to the game. I think he's an exciting young coach. Uh, there's a lot to like about South Sydney. He's Just got to keep Sam Burgess on the field. He's certainly added a bit to their attack. Uh, yes. From the coaching of Michael Maguire, which was pretty, as far as, you know, it was a Melbourne ba- an old-school Melbourne-based game. Smash it through the middle. We're going to win with our defence. And it worked, obviously, in 2014. Although they could score some points, there's no doubt about that. Greg Inglis was on fire. The Burgess triplets, or the twins plus Sam, yeah, yeah. Um, they, were, they had a great season. They had the forward pack to do what they did. They had the points off the back of it. So, But over the past couple of seasons, they devolved, I guess, into a more dour team, a grinding team. Greg Inglis hasn't been as good as he was back in that premiership season. And it's a bit of a, a breath of fresh air, I think, the coaching of Anthony Seabold. They needed it, no mm. doubt. It's been a good call by the club to make that move to go to somebody with, you know, even though he was there during that period, but he's brought a new look to their attack. Their attack is as sharp as anybody's in the competition when it's clicking. It looked very good. A couple of names I didn't mention. Cody Walker, he's part of their attack. And Damien Cook, he's yep. running out of dummy half. Fantastic. So I've just mentioned about eight or nine Rabbitohs who are in good form and excite me. And that's why, as I said, I reckon they're one of the top teams in that group you just mentioned. So that wraps up the do you think we're a contender category, which takes us to the next category, which is... Is there a chance we actually suck? And I've only got one team in this category. Who do you reckon it is? Well, I jumped the gun, didn't I, Was I know exactly who it is. The Sydney Roosters. The red, white and blusters. Mm. My answer to your question is no. I don't think there is a chance they suck. I just think there's too much talent there. I think they will come good. I, I, I Maybe we underestimated the difficulty of bringing Cooper Cronk in and James Tedesco in and how long it would take for it all to work. There is a question mark over the ability of the forwards to provide those players the platform, and that is still there. But, but I think Trent Robinson can fix that. I think the Roosters can fix that. And I think they will emerge in the back half of the season as a real challenger, maybe to the top group that you mentioned. Yeah, maybe all the way. There's a big jump for them at the moment. They would have to do a lot. Um, in the weeks ahead, the Roosters to uh, to prove to me that they could skip Do You Think We're a Contender and go straight to keep the last weekend of September free. Yeah. Four and four is pretty much where I think they belong at the moment, given what they've shown. I don't really see them... Uh, you know, Again, I'll be proven wrong and happily happily proven wrong. I don't really see them busting out and becoming, you know, uh, keep the last weekend of September free sort of team. 
They finished second in the minor premiership last year and everybody thought Cooper Cronk pushes them over the edge this year. It's grand final, certainly. Maybe it's the premiership we've been trying to get for the last four or five years, which has eluded us since they won in 2013. Oh, you know, I, I can see them making a run against some of the poorer teams and I think they will be the sort of team that wins against the poorer teams. They'll, they'll, they'll get some victories. They'll, they'll notch up some wins against the likes of Manly and the Titans, the Cowboys at the moment, the Bulldogs. They've played the Bulldogs twice already though. But, um, I think, I think they're a, t- a top eight team just. I think they're a sixth, Why? seventh or eighth team Maybe no better because I just don't think there's enough desire or urgency or just force of strength in the forward pack. Okay. I, think, I think there's too many question marks and they just haven't been able to work. Now, James Tedesco, I guess, is the wild card in all of this. If they can work out how to make him the player that we know he can be and work out how to utilize his talents to their best, then, yep, they can move up the rankings. But for the moment... I've got them finishing maybe 6th to 8th. And if you can finish 6th or 8th, you can finish ninth or 10th. Yeah, okay. And that, that would be a complete and utter disaster for the Roosters. I just want to run through the team they trotted out against the Dragons on Anzac Day. Tedesco fullback, Manu Ferguson, the wingers, Latrell Mitchell in the centres, and Mitch Orbison, Luke Keary and Cooper Cronk in the halves, Ted Avano and Dylan Napa, the props, Jake Friend, the hooker, Boyd Cordner, Ryan Madison, Isaac Liu, your back row, then the bench, Waria Hargreaves, C.O.C. Watokiaho, Nat Butcher and Victor Radley. I, I read through that 17 and say, are we really talking about this team as maybe sucking in season 2018? I just can't get my head around it was. I know, it's hard to believe, but that's where I've got them... At the moment. And it's a one-team category. I couldn't put... And it, 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 it's born, I guess, mostly out of the fact that we thought they would be so much better than they are. They've underachieved massively. And I've got no doubt their fans are perhaps second-guessing themselves, saying, is there a chance we actually suck and we're going to just have this season here we thought was going to be so great and it never eventuates. You know what? There's another Roosters fan, not another, but a Roosters fan. He's a pretty big one. Asking exactly the same question. He's a pessimistic fan, I think. We speak of the great Aaron Wallace, who I'm sure I've seen on social media saying something along the lines, is there a chance we suck? I know I'm misquoting <laughs> the great Wally, our stats guru. Oh, but, no. Uh, he calls them as he sees them, yeah. and I'm pretty sure he would see them in that category at the moment. Next category down the list is the we were only kidding list. <laughs> we were only kidding has the Raiders and the Eels in it. There's, a, there's signs, there are signs, that perhaps the Raiders and the Eels were only kidding. And maybe there's still a chance that this song could be blaring out around the nation's capital on the 30th of September. I had written them off. We had a slow start, but we are still bad. We are still mean. We are still green. Signs that Ricky's Raiders are coming good. Come on, Phil. Pop it up. Let's have people bumping on the train, in the cars, wherever you are. Sing along. I had complaints last time I was singing along. (laughs) So did I. The green machine. I had complaints about you. Oh, (laughs) as you would. So were, were they only kidding? The Raiders and the Eels? Yes. They were. The Raiders at the moment, sitting there in uh, 
11th position, three wins and five losses. They're plus one, four and against, 175 for, 174 against. But they've gone from 0 and 5 to 3 and 5. Yeah, they've won three of the last four. So oh, sorry, yeah, they were 0 and 4. Uh, they've won three of their last four. <laughs> There's all the talent. There is enough talent there. I still have question marks about the halves. But I, I, having written them off, a couple of weeks back when I was losing my mind with the way they lost to the Warriors, which was just outrageous. And I still think if you can lose a game at any point of the season in that fashion, you don't have what it takes to win three games in a row at the end of the season. Because to win the Premiership, you have to win three games in a row in September. Yep. I still can't see the Raiders winning three games in a row in September. And I've also got the Eels in this category for the same reason... Now, they're two and six. They've got a hell of a job in front of them to actually just make the finals at this stage because they've played eight games, 16 remaining. You need 12 wins most years, absolute minimum. You need 12 wins to make the finals. They still need to win 10 of their last 16. Now, that'll be pretty tough to do. They've given themselves a huge job to do. The Eels, you know, and injuries, I'll pick up injuries. They've got a couple at the moment. Haynes at... I don't know whether, whether that's such a you know a terrible thing at the moment. They won yesterday against the Tigers, who were good without Jared Hayne. If he plays, he's only going to be on the wing, I think, from this point on. I don't see Jared Hayne playing anywhere other than the wing, maybe on the right side in place of George Jennings, because Bevan French has proven that he has to be there somewhere in the starting 13 from this point on. Maybe they were only kidding, or maybe at some stage we'll go, yeah, you know what? Nah, they were pretty ordinary, and they were never going to make it. Well, if you're being optimistic as a Parramatta fan, you say, hang on, we're a third of the way through the season. After a dreadful start, we're only two wins outside the top eight. They're on four points. The edge of the top eight is eight points. And a lot of them were saying to me yesterday that when you look at the top eight and see that Cronulla, Brisbane, Canberra, North Queensland, Parramatta not there, theoretically, if they find their feet and run into some form, they're going to be beating top eight teams and it's going to condense the competition even further. So it's not... The end of the road yet for Parramatta, especially in what we saw yesterday. And I just thought they were a different team yesterday. The forwards, more physical, more direct. Um, the halves, more confident. And that's something that really shone through. Confidence is gold. Remember it was early on, they received a penalty. Rather than taking the shot for two, they chanced their arm, attacked and scored. Yep. Now, if that happens two or three weeks ago, do they tap and go? Or do they take the shot for two and play it safe and just try and put some points in the bank? I don't think they chance their arm like they did yesterday. Confidence is gold. It's blue and gold, in fact, and suddenly Parramatta have a bit of it. What a game this weekend with that in mind. On Saturday night, 7.30, live on Fox League, the Sharks at home against the Eels. Both teams sitting outside the top eight at the moment, and with a bit of momentum going now, Parramatta can't afford to lose, you know... If they're going to lose games from this point on, they can only lose six more, as I've mentioned. They've got to win 10 of their last 16 to make the finals. History has proven that pretty much. They can't afford to lose games in bunches from now on. They've got to win two, lose one, win three, lose one. This would be a real momentum killer if they go to Shark Park on Saturday night and come away with a loss. It's exactly right. You've said it superbly. It's not just two points this Saturday. It's a chance to build even more momentum. You get two points, you make it three in a row and roll into the next game with even more confidence. Because they're so far behind the eight ball, they need a streak. So it's yet about much more than just picking up two premiership points. 
against the Sharkies on Saturday. Because if they lose, suddenly the equation is got to win 10 of their last 15 games. Now, there'll be some of the best teams in the competition, maybe not the Dragons or the Storm, but there'll be plenty of teams in the top eight from this point on who won't win 10 of their last 15 games because it's actually hard to do. So if they lose against the Sharks, um, the, the good work of the last two weeks hasn't been a raise, but it just makes it harder given they lost those first six weeks on the trot. And then after Cronulla, they play the Bulldogs at ANZ Stadium. They host the Warriors at ANZ Stadium, and they travel to Brisbane on uh, a Thursday night at Suncorp. So that's the next month for the Eels. Sharks, Bulldogs, Warriors, Broncos. It'll be fascinating to see how they go. Um, my last category, and it has four teams in it, is should the postseason trip be Bali or Hawaii? <laughs> Hawaii was. Let's go to Hawaii. Well, they, well, they haven't called the travel agent as yet. They're stocking up on suntan lotion and uh, sunnies and board shorts and thongs. And that's about it. They're basically, they're, they're buying, they're stocking up on the rugby league wardrobe. I reckon the because Titans already you, have that covered. If you see a group of <laughs> rugby league players, if, there's a, if you find three or more rugby league players anywhere on the planet, what are they wearing? Thongs, boardies, and an Ed Hardy T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. That is the rugby league uniform. Maybe a hoodie. And, the top, the and camouflage. It's, if it's a bit chilly. The <laughs> Titans, the Sea Eagles, the Bulldogs, and the Cowboys... They're stocking up. Well, the, the Cowboys don't have to because they've got wardrobes full of thongs up there. <laughs> yes. But they've got thongs, shorts, and T-shirts at the ready uh, after round 26 let, because let, I, I can't see any of them making the finals. And that's a huge call, I know, given the Cowboys and the lineup they have. They've given up too much of a start. I know they're the same record as the Parramatta Eels, and we haven't written off the Parramatta Eels. There's just an air about the Cowboys. Well, I, just, I just don't see them suddenly finding that switch that gets things going. There are more things wrong. And when you look at teams, and we've discussed this in the past in the past seven weeks on the podcast, we tend to look at teams as far as their attack is concerned. But the Cowboys just still aren't doing it defensively for mine. They are, they are making misses defensively that they didn't make last year on their way through to that against the odds appearance in the grand final. Yeah, differential of minus 58, 124 for, 182 against. While Parramatta seems to have emerged from their dark tunnel, you have to say that North Queensland's still well and truly in theirs. They look lost. And Paul Green coaching overtime, moving Morgan into the fullback role and trying to make it Granville to Thurston more regularly to... Remove this love triangle, as McInnes calls it, between Granville, Morgan and Thurston. Uh, but, geez, they've still got a long, long way to go. Let me order those four teams for you, was through my eyes, in terms of bottom four. Manly would be last at this stage. Canterbury just ahead of them. Gold Coast, they'll, they'll pick up some wins and give fans some reason for hope at stages. And then North Queensland, I put them on top. But, but not convincingly at this stage. Yeah. They're, they're most likely in that group to shed that tag, to say, you know what, travel agent, can I put that booking on hold? We might look to move it back a month, but at this stage, it's a long way away. A headline you might see in the future is, Cowboys, we're still, we're still alive, we're still a chance, and it might be off the back of, they might win, say, five games in a row between rounds 18 and 23, say, 
and suddenly you think, oh, hang on a second, now our record is uh, is nine and eleven or whatever, and we could, you know, or whatever it might be, say ten and twelve. If we win our last two, then we can sneak into the finals. It'll be that sort of thing, I reckon, for the for the Cowboys. They might just go on a bit of a run in the second half of the season. We've seen teams do it in the past. The Panthers. The Panthers have, you know, they've cornered the market themselves yeah. on doing exactly that. After they were two and seven, reminding you, the Panthers last year from their first nine rounds, and they still made the finals, and you know could have gone a bit deeper than they actually did when they bowed out against the Brisbane Broncos in the, the playoffs last year. So it can happen, but I just don't get that feeling about the Cowboys at the moment, and I've got them heading somewhere overseas, somewhere around <laughs> September 5 or 6. Well, there it is, a third of the way through the season exactly, and there's the first term report card. I like the twist you put on it, Was So... Um, we might leave it there as far as our predictions and prognostications. Uh, for we'll, we'll revisit this at round say sixteen. We'll get the two thirds away through the uh, premiership. And what we're feeling is for, and by that stage we will know, you know, we'll we'll know that the top six teams who is going to be there, and the, the last third of the season is invariably to decide who finishes seventh or eighth. Mm. It's unusual that you can be fifth or sixth at that stage of the season and miss out. Usually at that stage, most of the interest is in those somewhere between 7th and 12th or so, 12th or maybe 13th, you know. There'll be two or three teams who are definitely gone by that stage, but um, there'll be teams who are still hoping against hope that they can find a way into the finals. And Well, the Cowboys thought they were on Mad Monday last year. They thought they were going to Hawaii or Bali last year, and they made the grand final. So yeah, there you go. Exactly. And I'm not so sure that the back third of the competition was will just be 7th and 8th if... If the Warriors, West Tigers, Newcastle, Souths get the wobbles, mm. then some of these teams in the bottom eight as we stand now do actually find their gear, maybe it might be a little bit more open come the final eight weeks of the competition. Who knows? I uh, posited the thought during the game against the Storm when things were getting at their, the height of their worst <laughs> as Melbourne just kept running in try after try after try, four in a row without the Warriors touching yeah. the ball. I mean, you just don't see that. Four tries in succession without the opposing team touching the ball. And I just threw it out there. It's one of those random thoughts you toss out during a game at stages. I, I tossed out the idea, has the bubble burst? And that got a couple of Warriors fans on Twitter, obviously, unsettled, as it would. Um, but, you know, as you said, you don't see teams give up 50 and then go on to win the Premiership. You know what I was thinking? It's, it's, speaking of big games, we'll go through the games in a second. They've got a massive game. Let's talk about this right now then. The Warriors okay. and the Tigers. It's Saturday, 5.30 Australian Standard Time on the East Coast over there at Mount Smart Stadium. Big game for the Tigers because they've lost three games this season by a total of five points. Yeah. But they've lost those three games, two of them now in a row to the, the Knights and also the Eels. The Warriors have got so much to show off the back of that 50-point thrashing at the hands of the Melbourne Storm. Should they come out this week and they're back to the team we saw for the first six or seven weeks of the competition, then you say, no, okay, they're good. That was an anomaly, and they might have their issues against maybe the likes of the Dragons or the Storm, but I can't see them getting the the Warrior wobbles and missing the eight. But if the the Tigers go over there and win, and maybe, you know, win by a comfortable margin, then you'll go, oh, there's a problem perhaps in Warrior Land. When I was watching the Warriors trail 38 nil in less than even time, I thought to myself, strangely, gee, it's a long trip home for them. 
through customs in Australia, on a plane for three hours, through customs in Auckland, all that travel just to get lapped by Melbourne. Back home, I think they'll be a different story. The Tigers have already won at Mount Smart Stadium this season, but it was against Melbourne when they took a game over there. The Warriors will be better uh, back in New Zealand, aided by a, a big crowd. Lots of people in Auckland have spoken about this, jumping on board the Warriors. The Auckland Blues suck in super rugby right now, so... A few people are saying, well, let's support the Warriors. Sean Johnson should be back, you'd imagine. Yeah, and then you've got to ask questions, does Solomon Akata play? Who else comes into the lineup? Uh, it's, a, it's a big game, was, and, and the Tigers, conversely, maybe just second-guessing themselves a little bit now. A great start to the season, but they've let games slip against Newcastle and now Parramatta. So this is a big game for them as well. Yep. To say, right, well, no, we can win. We are a good team. Don't let that seed of doubt be fertilised uh, so I, I can't wait for that one on Saturday Of the other games in round 9 we'll quickly run through them um, for what it's worth, the Broncos and the Bulldogs I'm doing this one up there at Suncorp Stadium um, the Bulldogs as we said, we think they're having September off, the, Bron- <laughs> the Broncos will get the cash in this one. Yes, easy there was. The Knights and the Rabbitohs up there in Newcastle, I'm re- it's a 6 o'clock game on a Newcastle but as they've done in the past I hope they everyone up there gets the, the afternoon off to get their red and blue scarves out and it's a full house up there to see the Knights go around against the Rabbitohs there'll be lots of Rabbitohs fans in that part of the world who would have been, you know, their parents might have moved that, to that part of the world say in the 70s, 80s, whatever else and you've grown up um, as maybe a, a, a person who has you know, the Knights and the Rabbitohs as a as a second team because mum and dad went for the Rabbitohs. It should be a big crowd up there. Um, I think the Knights can win. 10% of South Sydney's membership base is on the Central Coast or the greatest. Yeah. Not far to go to Newcastle was. So you're right, huge crowd up there. Still no Sam Burgess. This is the second week of his yeah. suspension. So this is a tough one, isn't it? I'd probably, you know what? I'd, I'd probably lean towards South Sydney. Right. Up there. Yep, toss of the coin job, that one. What about the Panthers and the Cowboys? This one out at Carrington Park in Bathurst. Yeah. Injuries for Penrith. Can they be as brave and gritty as they were on Friday night? Yes. I had them extending North Queensland's misery in Bathurst. Long way from North Queensland to Carrington Park in Bathurst. And uh, Penrith, I've been taking games there for a while, a good support base there. And Jimmy Maloney just closed that game out sensationally the other night, despite all the troubles. When Dylan Edwards went down injured, they tried Viliami Kikau, they tried Isaiah Yo, they tried someone else in the centres, and uh, they were still able to get the win, basically on the back of Jimmy Maloney, once they had the lead, saying, I'll show you how to shut this game down, control it to the end. He is fantastic to watch. Yeah, He is so good, and... I'm in love with Jimmy Maloney at the moment, so I'll tip Penrith. He's another one of those players who you really get a sense when you're at the at the stadium watching in person. Uh, it's great on TV as well, quite obviously, but you just watch him move around the field and the way he's barking behind the line and just getting players where he wants them. Um, those Bathurst fans were in for a real treat out there to see that game. And, uh, and was this me to jump in? You get arguably the most confident half in the league right now against arguably the most yeah. lacking in confidence halves in the league right what now. What a so contrast it will be. Yeah. It will be huge. Raiders and Titans. Now, you're calling this one down there in Canberra. Yeah, this will be interesting, won't it? Because uh, Raiders off a good win. The Titans pushed the Sharkies. Uh, I think the Raiders are on there. They're going now. They're, they're off and running. So, you know, on form, they should win this, especially in Canberra. Uh, I know the Titans will fight hard, and Jai Arrow just goes from 
better to better, doesn't he? He's equal third on the Dally M points behind Kalen Ponga. So there are some additions to that Titans roster this year that excite me, but Canberra should be winning that. We've spoken about the Warriors and the Tigers, the Sharks and the Eels. The Sharks at home for mine will uh, will sneak home against Parramatta. I'm going with the Eels. Really? Okay. I, I think they can go three in a row. Fair enough. Confidence uh, is gold. Yeah, Rose, yeah. Confidence is gold. And with Clint Gutherson and Bevan French and Michael Jennings um, and Norman and Moses in particular, suddenly mm. looking like the players that we know they should be. And Timmy Manor yesterday. Timmy Manor off the bench. Yeah. Great impact when he came on, really got things going. The Dragons and the Storm. It is the battle between the teams in our category of keep the last weekend of September free. Oh. Who are you going? How do you pick a winner in this one? I mean, really, I I look at Melbourne and I just keep seeing Josh Adokar racing away and I want to tip Melbourne, but I'm not going to. St. George Lawara at Cogra. Let's hope it's a sunny Sunday afternoon. This will be Gold was the home team riding their 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 fan base. I don't know if it's just a, a peculiarity, peculiarity, I'll say that, say that again, of the, of the draw, but the same two teams met in the same round in Wollongong last year off the back of Anzac Day. Right. Different result for the Dragons on Anzac Day last year to this year. A comprehensive win against the Roosters after that golden point loss or got field goal loss to Mitchell Pearce and the Roosters last year. They're a different team than what they were last year. I just can't get the memory of Melbourne in Wollongong doing a job on the Dragons in the first half last year when everybody was going, you know, the Dragons, boy, they've been super good. They were 6-1 and one before Anzac Day. They lost that one. They go into against Melbourne. They were 6-2. and two, And Melbourne were in a different league to the Dragons. I don't think that will be the case as much this time, but I still think Melbourne, boy, there's a look about them at the moment. They've still got Jesse Bromwich and Dale Finucane to add yeah. back oh, into the forward pack. That's scary. It is scary. And I'm going to say... They'll win, but I think they'll win just. Oh, what a beauty. And it sets up the final game was Roosters, Sea Eagles. I'm sitting sideline for this one, and I'll be looking out for Jackson Hastings playing for the Eagles. A will club he play? Sacked him. I think he will. Uh, they're on the record of saying they're going to name him in the 21. Why would you name him in the 21 if you didn't intend to use him? Well, there is as the potential they had, had to name him in the 21 because they don't no have 21 fit players <laughs> yes, that's true. outside of Jackson Hastings. I, I so just think they there will. is that. I think you're right. I think he will play. Yeah, um, it'll be a fair mea culpa, and it's going to be a story that bubbles along for the rest of the week as Trent Barrett. Now, if they're going to play Jackson Hastings. If you were running the PR for Manly, you would say, Trent, bring it in tight. Let's have a yeah. chat about this. If you're going to play Jackson Hastings, let's get it out there right now. Otherwise, we're, we're going to have four or five days of speculation exactly. as to whether he plays. Now, we know you've named him in the 21, so he can play. But if you don't, if you, we're going to talk about this all week until that game on Sunday afternoon, whether he plays or not. So if you're going to play him, Let's just get it, get it over and done with right now and say, yep, he's in the 17. He will definitely play. And was as you know, when we are confronted with a game, we've got to be involved with. You peel back the layers and you try and work out the talking points. What are we going to be looking for? What are we going to be saying? Well, here is Jackson Hastings playing for a club that has sacked him this season against a club in the Roosters that has sacked him in previous seasons. <laughs> so, you know, what an intriguing element. And often when you set the scene like that, 
what price Jackson Hastings playing and scoring two tries and being man of the match? Oh, I would say that it's much shorter than you would would estimate otherwise. Oh, boy. That would be a commentator's dream, a headline writer's dream, a journalist's dream. What a story <laughs> oh, that yeah. would be. And was, you know, we started this podcast with you uh, waxing lyrical about unwinding after calling a game watching the Formula One. Let me finish by saying what I do to unwind after calling oh. a game. It's the crime channel for me. The crime channel? I like to see how they caught the Boston Strangler or the Golden State Killer. I like the crew that unlocks the puzzle. Yes, I switch the brain off and just uh, watch these wonderful investigators. A weirdo, a sicko perhaps, but that's how I chill out, man. (laughs) My, My wife has got me into one called Shetland. Okay. which is set on the Shetland Islands. Yes. And there's some fairly heavy Scottish accents, as you would imagine, or Shetland accents. Um, but it's pretty good. It's not bad. Okay, I haven't caught that I don't one know, yet. I can't think where it is now, on one of the channels anyway. But check it out. That's, uh, they have ponies there? <laughs> they have ponies. They have the lot, I've got no doubt. They've got it all. Little ones, saddles. <laughs> numbers on the back of them as well they race the Shetland ponies thanks Matty good on fun. you mate next week we'll go to the mailbag I promise we'll do some mailbag next week didn't get time for some questions this week but fire them in via Twitter that is you can take me now I have seen it all oh.